welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Renee Beth Poindexter, founder of the Living the Potential Network and author of the book, Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World. Thanks, Tom. Um, I'm very excited about having Renee on this show. She's somebody I've gotten to know over the last six months. We're working on a collaborative effort on nutrition through a company called Univero, which I'm excited about that also. But I want to talk to her today about her work about creating change. She's a founder of the Living the Potential Network. She's the author of a book called Living the Potential, Engaging the Wisdom of Our Youth to Save the World. And the kids are one of the main driving forces in my particular efforts with chronic pain because chronic pain has a terrible effect on children, families, and trying to give kids the tools to cope with some of the things around them is really critical. So I'd like to welcome Renee to our show. Hi, Renee. Hi, Dr. David. Good to be with you. Nice to see you. And we've been working together on this company called Univera, which is a nutritional network, very well researched on different nutritional things, focused on inflammation, wellness, energy, et cetera, which is really well done. But I also came across her work, of course, and nutrition is part of it, that she wrote this book, Living the Potential. And I would just like her to talk a little bit how you started that process. She, she started out as a, the high school English teacher, the dreaded high school English teacher. <laughs> and so I have to be, I'm always humble when an English teacher reads me because <laughs> I, I didn't like English in high school. But um, anyway, so Renee, want to give us a little bit of a background to how you ended up doing okay, this? Okay. Because it's obviously your passion. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. David. And by the way, I was not your typical English teacher. Okay. <laughs> um, I, you know, taught school in Ohio and I was an out of the box thinker from the very beginning. And um, I really taught from a perspective of relationship. This learning comes through relationship. And uh, I had six classes and four preps and 180 students. It was drill team advisor, senior class advisor. I, my day was full. Wow. And over six years, I just noticed that kids, you know, a lot of kids, I had advanced, um, what they call baccalaureate um, learners, and I also had kids about ready to drop out of school, and they were segmented into different groups. And I realized that everybody was jumping through hoops that really, the ones who were wanting to excel were doing everything to get straight A's. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety. And um, the kids who weren't doing so well were labeled and they were bullied and there were all kinds of problems. And I kept thinking, you know, there's something wrong with this environment that's encouraging these behaviors. I wonder what we could be doing differently, but no one else, none of the other teachers, none of the administrators were questioning the system. So I left after about six years and I thought there must be a better way. And as a result, I got involved in business in mostly business development and marketing. And I worked in five or six different industries from um, managed care and health, well, healthcare was one big one that really woke me up. Also financial services, technology, right. construction. And I started to see how business gets things done. But when I was in the healthcare system, you know, I was working for a company that manufactured life support systems. So I was in oxygen systems, ventilators, cardiopulmonary docs were my specialty. And I started to see there like, that was right when fee for service 
where the doctors could spend as much time with their patients as they needed, dwindled to um, managed care in which this whole system became controlled by the insurance companies right. and the pharmaceutical industry. And I went, hmm, this feels familiar. Because I think back on the education system, the issue was the control of the teachers union, the publishing houses, and today it's the testing, the multi-billion dollar testing industry. Right. So just to say that I became, I became aware that I was a systems thinker and I was recognizing two very broken systems in our society. And after my time in education, um, I'm sorry, in the healthcare, I was living in uh, California at the time, I decided to move, uh, back, move to Oregon and create a learning community model with uh, the charter school movement. And unfortunately, back in 1995, the charter school bill didn't pass. And so I started to look around in ways in which I could partner with other holistic conscious learning models. And I found one out of Canada, which at the time was called the Wonder Tree Foundation for Natural Learning. Well, now we call ourselves the Transformative Learning Foundation. I'm the chair of that foundation. But the book I wrote, just briefly, is about a group of kids out of Vancouver, Canada, that started a company when they were 10 years old. They, were, they had learned from age five how to manage and grow their own learning environment as project managers. Wow. They learned how to work as a team. They were just getting into HyperCard and the Macintosh computer when it was coming out, and they were programming all their own learning. They were getting written up in the newspaper. And one day, BC Hydro, the big utility there, read about what these kids were doing and said, let's have these kids work with us. We want to design a game that teaches energy conservation. Okay. They contacted the kids. The kids treated them like, hey, let's project manage this. Let's put up the Gantt charts. What do you need? And these, the, wow. the suits from the- These are 11 years old. Yeah, and they were going, oh my God, these kids are like amazing. So they wrote a check for $75,000 right on the spot. And the kids took you know, about a year to design the game. And I got to be part of that project. Wow. So Dr. David, what I saw through my life journey was kids are more capable than the system allows them to be. Right. And that learning really unfolds through curiosity and discovery. And when they are engaged in knowing that they're part of something that makes a difference, they bring forward their strengths, their skills, and they get stuff done. So right. teachers then become like mentors and guides on the side rather than the sage on the stage. And the kids are more engaged and there's no bullying. There's no, you know, anxiety there. Right. You know, the whole idea of fun, learning being fun is alive and well. So that's right. how I got to creating living the potential is <laughs> right now. Um, this book is a calling card, living the potential, engaging the wisdom of our youth to save the world. It's a calling card. It's got five steps to the book, um, five steps, five course outline on how to create an organic natural learning environment whether you're in a company whether you're in a school or an organization so Great. yeah that's what i how i got where i am right now <laughs> and this is what you do this is pretty much your your full-time work now to work right with the foundation well, this well, yeah. book and well, the business yeah. well here's the thing is it's like wellness when i when people ask me what do i do i say i help people bring all of who they are to everything they do and get paid to be themselves and part of the process is creating these conscious learning communities, learning organizations in which people like yourself who has amazing uh, awareness about how the body can rebuild and repair and how important emotion, emotional well-being is, is transforming the way people look at back care. 
you know, your book is Back in Control is a fabulous paradigm shift. So you're a paradigm shifter, I'm a paradigm shifter, and I just want you to know that no big change happens without wellness at the center. Right. I mean, the thing about chronic pain is you don't actually solve chronic pain because your attention's on the problem, not on the solution. And so you have to look forward and actually move towards what you want your life to look like and how you put that together. Let me ask you a question about the, um, can you tell the audience, can you tell us how a learning community looks like? In other words, if you have a group of people and you want to create an effort amongst a group of people to create some change, how do you, I know you have the steps, but the, the reality as far as how do you actually make that happen? What do they, what do they look like at the end of it? How do you get sort of a consensus? How do you get that moving forward? Okay, great question. Well, the first thing is, if you think about it, the student is the customer. Right. It's like the patient is the customer, right? Okay, right. So, and they have desires and wishes and so forth. So I launched a prototype of how this book is a uh, framework for the organic learning model for life in Washington, okay. D.C. Washington, in August. And we had a student panel and you can see this on my website, livingthepotential.com, and look at the garden experiment. We call it the garden experiment because it's an organic learning model for life. We started off with a group of students, um, a panel. There was a group of uh, two high school graduates, two college graduates, and a young man that was going to college and being funded to go to college by a major corporation that really wanted him to be on their cybersecurity um, framework. So we asked, I interviewed them and asked them what was working well for them in their education, what wasn't working well, what did they feel their gifts were that were never really able to be unfolded in the system itself, and what were their biggest concerns that they look forward, that they're looking at when they look at the, the world that they're inheriting, and um, what did they want the adults in the room to hear. So we took pages of notes, like flip charts on the wall, and the, the adults in the room, and, and the adults in the room were parents, teachers, entrepreneurs, business executives, nonprofit executives. It was a collection of people who were concerned about the future and how the youth can actually grow their leadership. Right. And what we learned is that these kids have the ideas of the system that needs to change what they needed for themselves. They would like like schools to be open 24 hours a day, you know, you'd be able to pick the mentors they want to work with, be able to do projects that matter, be able to bring their skill sets, be able to build portfolios. And there are two primary issues that they were most concerned about because the day was a workshop and we said, what are your two main issues? If we listened to them for 45 minutes, they said, we're concerned about climate change. Right. And um, they said, we're going to change it to climate survival. We're okay. concerned about climate survival. And then okay. the other one was about uh, community bonding and belonging. Right. Isolation and uh, polarization in society is not, not the world they want to inherit. So those are right. the two issues. So the rest of the day, we took the framework and we worked out, uh, kind of brainstormed and workshopped the next step for both of those key issues. One was okay. what are cultivating those fertile seeds of, you know, what kind of fertile learning environment do we need to, to address these two issues? Right. Next one was how do we cross pollinate domains? In other words, what is business and technology and healthcare and all of the different domains that are normally separate? How do we align them together to solve these issues? Right. The next one was regenerative systems for long-term change for and sustainability. 
Right. What are the systems that need to change? And, and then the last one was, what does technology have to do with it? <clears throat> and I call it the soul of technology. So Dr. David, what we did is we workshopped all of these things and the kids had the answers and the adults, you know, worked together with them. It was intergenerational learning at its best. That's what a learning community is. And at the end of it, the kids were like, I'm seen and heard. Some of them at the beginning had no hope. They were thinking, you know what, what kind of world are we even inheriting? We don't have a chance. But when the intergenerational learning energy came together, they were amazed. Now your work with the DOT project and a few other things that I know you talk about here, it fits into the category of regenerative systems. Right. And that's the place where I believe that people start to look at wellness differently. That's how I tie in the Univera work because I coach people into recognizing that their body is a vehicle right. and that they can integrate mind, body, spirit, and heart in the work they want to bring to the world. And everyone has a soul's calling. It's a matter or not if they're in an environment that will help witness that for them. So I hope that answers your question. Well, it does. I mean, I also is interesting you pointed out something I hadn't really thought about exactly before, because in medicine right now, I think one of the biggest factors in our societal disruption is simply medicine has become a business. And the number one factor that helps people heal is to be heard, you know, time yes. with the patient. <laughs> yep. And, you know, I actually quit my spine surgery practice because of this, because we're spending 15 minutes with the patient, maybe half an hour, major decisions on 10, 12 hour surgeries were being made on the first visit. And then the success rate of us of a back fusion, for instance, for back pain is about 20%. So we found out that through the work you're doing and I'm doing similar trajectories is that it's just help people feel safe, calm down. It's not psychological, it's the body's chemistry changes. Right. You go from stress chemicals to oxytocin, the love drug, dopamine, the reward drug. And as you cause the body chemistry to shift, and again, nutrition has a big part to do with this also, you just feel better. And when you feel better, you're more creative, more productive, and life starts moving forward. Whereas you're always constantly finding anxiety and frustration and you're upset, your body chemistry is way off. And then I'm excited about your work in the school system because in the school system, I don't, I guess we, we probably would do another podcast on the school system. Oh, yeah. But I wrote a website post called School or Prison, What's the Difference? Exactly. Or you're forced to go to an institution that you don't want to be there. A lot of kids want to be there, but a lot of them don't. But if you're being bullied, you certainly don't want to be there. Yeah. There's no way of really stopping that process because it's so much below the teacher's radar. So you're forced to go to a situation where you're treated badly every day. How does that make our society better? It doesn't. Exactly. Well, here's the, here, that's a very good question. Because I don't think there's enough people questioning how does learning happen, really? Right. Now, if I think the basis of our school system, if you look back to the early days, is based on the Prussian army. <laughs> and right. you know, it's, it's the idea of we have to stuff all this information over 14,000 hours in people because if we don't do that, they won't be successful. Right. The problem is there's no meaning making in the stuffing process. Right. So if there's no natural curiosity that drives the learning process, like project-based learning, like these right. kids needed to design a game that taught energy conservation. So they had right. to mind map everything that's related to that. And with technology, you can do all kinds of animations and tools. You actually can build things right. that demonstrates your thoughts. 
and you do it in teams of people, just like in the real world, and they learn their social skills. I actually have an assessment that when you go to um, my website, you'll learn how you can figure out your core essence of how you're wired. And this wow. is for everybody. And when, it's not your behavior, it's not your personality. And most of the people, and I've done this with fifth grade all the way up to 80 year olds, and people go, wow, if I would have known this when I was younger, I would have designed my life completely differently. Um, quick question, I'm on your website right now. Which, which part of the website, you said there's a spot on your website where you can actually tell how you're wired or figure yeah, out how you're wired? It's called the, yeah, it's called the Core Value Index. And um, it's part of my ReneeBethPointexter.com website because okay. I work as a coach and a consultant. Okay. But in the courses that I'm designing for Living the Potential, the first course that we're starting, um, actually this month, January 21st, you can go to the website and look at the Living the Potential Changemaker course you'll see it's trusting the seeds of change. Okay. And during that course, people in the course learn how to bring who they are, the real essence of who they are to their life. And you know what, David, what comes up is a lot of trauma because they realize, so many people realize, oh my gosh, I never got to be the real me. I was so busy trying to prove to other people that I was valuable right. or that I could be what they wanted me to be. I never was me. And then they start to realize, I can't do that to my kids. Right. And if they're teachers and parents, this is what you got to do. Cross-pollinating the domains of teachers and parents working together. Because I don't think the school system can change on its own. It's a societal mandate for right. us to create a new model. And that's including parents and teachers working together where the kids have a voice. Just like you said, for people to be heard is so important for healing. I'd like to ask you some questions. My mind is sort of spinning right now with all the potential <laughs> of your potential network. It's really cool. I'd like to point out one thing, a couple things. One of them is that I always remind parents that Alex, do you know how old Alexander the Great was when he started to conquer the world? 13. 13, yeah. And by the time the world, he was 31, it was conquered. And there's a book written, as you know, about this teenage culture is that it sort of, be, it sort of grows on itself. And in cultures where kids are, I mean, historically, kids... 12, 13, 14 years old, are having families going on, right. defending themselves and surviving. Yeah. So you're actually adult capable when you when you hit puberty, basically. Yeah, like 11. <laughs> right. And uh, I actually did this with my own child. As I sat there when my son was about 13, and I sat down for a couple hours and actually just thought about what I knew when I was 13. And I actually yeah. knew enough to take care of myself. Yes. Changed the way I related to my child in a huge way. Big difference. But I guess I'd like to have you spend a little time with the listeners um, last few minutes here and just giving us some concrete things that we can do personally to start understanding who we are, who our authentic self is, how maybe we access some of your resources. But what are some of the takeaway things that we can actually put into action today? Thank you. Great question. I think the first step is to take a look in the mirror and recognize that you are a unique being. There's no one else like you. And that if you really did some writing and personal exploratory writing, reflective writing to allow, like answer the questions, who am I? Why am I here? What's my soul's calling? Right. That just ask the question. It's like, you don't have to have the answer. Just ask the question and put pen to paper and see what comes out. Right. The second thing I would do is <clears throat> go out in nature. And if you have a family, um, it, 
take your ch children with you, play in nature, get on the ground, do stuff, hug a tree, <laughs> recognize that the natural world is constantly changing and unfolding and that there's a system to it. And then the third thing is to recognize that your body is an amazing vehicle. Your heart is beating right now, if you're listening to this. Um, you're breathing, you know, you, your, your eyes to see the world. There's so much depth to who we are as beings that just to appreciate with gratitude who we are. And then love, you know, the idea of what do you love most? And I think as we're in the new year, the new decade, is who am I, what do I love, and what's the best use of my time right now? What are the issues that I'm most concerned about? Who else cares about this? The thing I would suggest if you're open is to come and check out Living the Potential, um, our change um, mastermind program that we've got going. We have Trusting the Seeds of Change that starts um, on January 21st. And you can register if you're, I'd love for you to be a part of it because it's for parents, teachers, entrepreneurs, uh, young people, you know, it's intergenerational learning. And what we're doing is we're clarifying our unique contributions. We're identifying our conditioned default programming and assumptions that we need to release and forgive. Right. <laughs> we're leveraging and maximizing our strengths. And then we're learning how to love the change in the people we work with because we can change people. Systems will change. Dr. David, I know you know this. Systems will change when people change. So right. let's be the change we want to well, see. I agree. They just have to start from the ground up. And I want to go back to the first part of our conversation where you pointed out there's two factors. One of them, one of them you pointed out was that um, people are socially isolated. And by creating these networks, of course, you re-engage with people. And there's a study from Cigna done about three years ago on 20,000 people, they surveyed the entire country. They found out that 53% of Americans are socially isolated. And what you're talking about in this cool system gets people working together, being creative. And when you're creative and moving forward, again, your body chemistry is optimized, you just feel better and you act better yeah. and you treat mm -hmm. people better. Yeah, exactly. And you know, all of us, not just the kids, are just really sort of really upset about the reality of our planet just not surviving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everybody wants, most people want to know, what can I do to help? My thing is that each one person has to change. It's all you can really change is yourself. But it does make a difference to people right around you. And enough people on the ground floor can change, things start to really change on a systems <laughs> basis. Exactly. It's not going to come from the top down. No. But um, so I like your concepts about networking, collaboration, creativity, you mentioned that on January 21st, you have a course, online course that you're starting. And could you tell the audience, could you tell us what that course is? Sure. It's called Trusting the Seeds of Change. Right. And we're going to meet um, once a week for seven weeks, and okay. 90, 90 minutes and online and using a Zoom platform. It's very simple. And um, the first course is people are going to be able to clarify their unique contribution you're going to get connected to other people who have unique contributions. There'll be some okay. collaboration. Ultimately, over the project, over the courses, as people design the projects that they want to bring to their community, right. and leveraging their gifts and talent to do it, and they learn how to um, live from a hopeful, you know, hope rather than despair, um, because the the bottom line is the answers are in the room if we're right. asking the right questions. It's right. like. This is a powerful time for change. 
Right. And I'm optimistic, Dr. David, I'm very optimistic that we can create and design a better world together. I, I agree. I mean, you look at the course of human history, it's basically, it's based mostly on power and control. But if you look at the way we evolved from homo sapiens without much consciousness who developed language, we still are really run by our behavioral patterns, which are about survival. And you look at human structure in general, it's about power and control and dictators, et cetera. Democracy is a relatively new, fragile experiment, but there's a lot of power behind it. And people understand that each person is unique and equal, even though we don't always act that way. And I do think that the efforts that you're putting forth represent an evolution in the next stage of the human experience. Oh, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> we, well, but we then make this jump where we don't. Exactly. Right. And, and, the, and the youth, the youth today are going, if you could see Greta Thunberg on the cover of Time Magazine, it says right. youth, youth power. It's like, we have the answer. It's a matter of what are the questions and we don't need to hold their teenagers back in these holding tanks because right. society's not ready for their contribution. Right. We need to bring their contributions sooner rather than later. That's why cross-pollinating the domains with entrepreneurial businesses who go, I've got a creative idea. How do we work together? Who's got, who's got juice on this idea? Right. And then we create those networks and projects and get them funded where youth are involved. So right. It's a very exciting time. I, I'm, I really saw what happened with a group of kids when they were 10 and they designed a game that taught energy conservation. Right. And they, every one of them turned out to be a he healthy, thriving entrepreneur. They're now in their 30s. So <clears throat> I got a, <clears throat> excuse me, a good example of how this works. Right. Well, the bottom line is really creative. I mean, I, we talk about awareness and when you're angry, I have a little saying if you take the word reactive in other words when you're anxious or frustrated you're reactive right and so anytime you're reactive take the letter c out of the middle of the word reactive and you get the word creative right so you have to see first or become aware first before you actually make some choices when you're reacting only you have no choices you're just trying to survive so if you're finding anxiety you're finding anger that's the antithesis of awareness so awareness is the first step in creativity. But what I'm yeah. excited about your project is, is that people want to create a better future, but they don't necessarily have the structure and the skills to do that. Exactly. And you're teaching them those skills and giving them a structure. Then again, going back to the social isolation factor is that 53% of Americans are socially isolated. Emotional pain and physical pain are processed in the same part of the brain. So what happens, people that are socially isolated develop the exact same symptoms as people in chronic pain. It is chronic pain being that isolated. Right. And so things that bring people collaborating, working together, as opposed to making silos, is a huge, huge contribution. So I'm really excited about what you're doing. Thank you. Um, any final thoughts, Renee, on what you're doing? I'm very excited about your project. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that I, you know, it's so amazing that we're in conversation in collaboration, Dr. David, because I always imagine holistic healing and holistic learning coming together. And in the okay. middle of it, you know, the concentric circles and in the middle of it, this aware conscious humanity thrives. And right. uh, it's like they go together and then systems change when people change. So your stories, I love all the stories of people. I myself am a, I never had back surgery, but almost was scheduled for that myself. But I realized that it was emotional on my end. I did the writing that you talk about in your book. Um, 
and I realized that I, the regenerative quality of food and how we move and all the aspects of how we think, the whole holistic whole person approach, when we get into the driver's seat of owning our health and well-being and purpose in community, we thrive as humanity. And I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited to be working with you on multiple projects. And I thank you so much for having me on your show today. Yeah. Well, very. thank you very much for being on the show. And I do see a few future shows coming up with us because we are, <laughs> we are in the same track from a different perspective, but the same outcome is the same as it connecting to your unique potential and manifesting it in the world. So I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and I'd like to thank our guest, Renee Beth Poindexter, for being on the show today and sharing her fascinating insights about the power of collaborative learning networks. I want to remind our listeners to return next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.